0: Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I'm your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we're going to continue our conversation with Jeanette Brunet, about how to achieve peak performance and fulfillment in our personal and professional lives. Jeanette helps leaders and companies rethink performance by asking the right why, so that they can lead themselves and their people better and achieve sustainable success. She is passionate about how we can create a culture of care by unlocking what truly drives performance, engagement, and motivation from the inside out. For about 15 years, she has coached clients and delivered speeches about how physical health and emotional, social, and mental well-being affect our performance and prevent stress and burnout. She shows how our mindset affects our self-care habits at work and at home and believes that when we leave our humanity at the door when we go to work, we leave behind our most valuable resource for success. She incorporates her background in integrative nutrition, mindfulness, and hypnotherapy to help people work better by working healthy. She believes that a work culture of care drives happy performance, and that investing in people's health at work is the most important foundation for sustainable success, both personal and organizational. Jeanette, welcome back to Paradigm Shift. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our next conversation here. As am I. Mm -hmm. So we ended our last show by talking about stress and its impact on performance and on lawyers in particular. Let's now just take a quick look at your framework in working with companies and individuals, which we did start to take a look at during our last show. You talk extensively about how important it is for leaders and organizations to ask the right why. In addition, one of the fundamental tenets to your paradigm is the need for all of us to create a culture of care. Can you explain what this all means and how leaders, organizations, and all of us can go about asking the right why and creating a culture of care and where mindfulness fits into this conversation?
1: Yes, I can, and I would love to give an example of how we often ask questions when we, when something um, is not working out in the office. We go up to somebody and we say, "Why is this not working? Why haven't you done this? Why is this not finished? Why is this not ready?" And the first thing that comes out of, of of that conversation is defense and all the reasons why something is not working out. And if instead we could say, "So I notice this is not happening. I notice this is not working." What do you need so that you can make it work? What is something that could help you um, finish this project, for example, if that's the case? Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that we are looking not for what's not working, but we're looking for the solution to make it work. And sometimes we can't um, find our way if we don't know the purpose, what it is that we're trying to achieve. And so asking the right why is partly about not going into why is it not working. Mm -hmm. But it's also partly going into, what do I need so that I can make make it work? And we need to know what we're trying to achieve, why it matters. Because if we do that, we're able to align our choices much more specifically.
0: How often do you think it is that people, um, that they don't know how to ask the right why because it's an organizational issue that's at play? And how often do you think it is that they just don't have the right mindset?
1: I think it's our normal human nature to look for what's not working. Mm -hmm. Just like we talked about in the previous episode about how we often, especially how you often as lawyers have to look for what might go wrong. So we're always looking for what's not working. That's part of our human nature. It's part of our survival mechanism to look for what has changed and what might come and, and haunt us down or, or what might be wrong in our environment. But in, in a way where we want to be purpose-driven, we need to know why we're doing something and we need to focus on what do we need so that we can achieve it. And it's a way to actually just acknowledging what not, what's not working but not getting pulled into it or drawn down by it and start coming up with, um, with the wrong answers because we're looking in the wrong direction. So I think it's a personal, natural human being aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it also is an organizational aspect because organizations are made up by people. That's true. Yeah. And I also think in a lot of uh, companies, um, I think it, there's a change going on in, in terms of leadership and instead of, in, in terms of what we believe a culture is, is driven by. But I think that it is part of uh, an old management style to think of keeping people in check and criticizing them or berating them or pointing out where they're not doing the right thing and assuming that that means we're going to grow and when it pertains to ourselves i call that the inner critic and when we ask the right why we go from being the inner critic to the inner coach but we can do that in leadership too because leaders today are more coaches to their team
0: well, when you think about it, you know, certain people who have been esteemed as the great leaders among corporate America, Jack Welsh, for example, immediately comes to mind. He had a very direct leadership style, um, and some would say very harsh, but people equated that leadership style with the success of the companies that he led. Right. Yes.
1: Yeah. And that's it, that's the thing that. You know, my dad always used to say, it's not about being kind, it's about being, being trustworthy. It's about somebody knowing they can trust you, even if you're hard on them. That they know that if you're criticizing something they've done, that you're doing it from a mindset of wanting them to achieve. But a lot of times when we criticize something, because obviously we sometimes have to do that too, it's more about acknowledging it rather than being what beats us up or we're beating somebody else up over. We tend to beat ourselves up a lot over something that's not working rather than just acknowledging what's not working. It's a a slight shift and change in mindset. I call it my triple A. Acknowledge what's not working, accept the fact that this is the conditions under which we are in right now, and then act based on what are some of the solutions uh, that we can put in place to achieve what it is we're trying to achieve we spend too much time of trying to figure out why it didn't work mm-hmm. rather than figuring out how to make it work.
0: This is, you know, these are all incredibly terrific points you're raising and very provocative. And one of the things that we had talked earlier before we had our conversation was about talking about leadership. And I think we've definitely sort of migrated into that part of the conversation. Um, Why do you think there has been an evolution in leadership? Why do you think that we may be seeing more of a trend towards people understanding that being berating, being very critical and negative as a leadership style is not necessarily going to um, yield the result you want? Do you believe with the work that you've done all the coaching and consulting you do, do you believe that there is a movement towards a more empathetic and humane leadership style?
1: I do think there is. And I think part of why that is, is because the, the employees demand it. That's what's come out of the millennials, right? It's yes. that we're, we're, we're demanding a, a better quality of work. I think when we're looking at work-life balance, I think we should work at work-life quality because we are spending most of our life at work and it should nourish us work should be nourishing it's part of what helps us grow develop and achieve as human beings it's such an uh, an important part of our lives in in our modern lives and so i think that if we are not looking at the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing every day and why it matters to us then then we're just going to move on to the next like i think asking the right why is part of how we can create better talent retention, and we can create an environment where people want to work because it's diverse and inclusive.
0: That's, I, I agree with you, and I, I've done a lot of hiring for my current organization as well as my prior organization, and I agree with you that I think, at least in part, um, this movement is driven by some of the lessons we've learned from millennials yeah. um, and the types of work environments they are, they want for a longer term type of situation. And I can tell you that recruiting millennials into the legal profession, which is something that I've talked about on prior episodes of Paradigm Shift, there are some unique challenges, but also I think unique rewards because I do think the millennials have a lot to contribute, including trying to bring more balance and I think a more positive mindset to the workplace.
1: And it's interesting because being Danish, I'm, I, you know, a big part of my my career, my start of my career was in Denmark, and I was actually, I was in a leadership position at a very, very young age. And I think part of why I was because my dad was um, a, an amazing leader, and one of the things he always said is, "Don't catch them in doing something wrong; catch them in doing something right." And it's this perspective of how do we look at something from From a constructive perspective, and he also would say things like, stress is not uh, all the things we have to do. It's what we believe we won't be able to get done. And so it's this idea that we are actually really looking at uh, performance and and work culture as human beings and understanding what drives our human nature. I think if we can incorporate that at at work instead of thinking that we're two different people, we we get a lot more energy we get a lot more um, self, like our own energy within us, but also as a culture, there's a much more positive energy that's not wearing everyone out.
0: I completely agree. And um, I can't believe that our time is, (laughs) our time together is just whipping by and there's so much more I'd love to ask you. Um, I would love to shift our conversation just a little bit to starting to talk about specific tips. We did touch on some of them. In, our last, um, in the last segment of our conversation, I'm sure our listeners out there um, have really appreciated our conversation so far about you know, what the issues are, how you know when you need to address them, different frameworks of leadership, the um, evolution of the workplace as it relates to these issues. We would love, me and our listeners would love to hear more from you about some tips that you have uh, when you work with organizations and individuals when it comes to things like performance and burnout prevention, um, you know, culture of, of the workplace and engagement from all who are part of a company's culture. You mentioned a little bit in our last segment about how you work with individuals and organizations. Can you speak a little bit more about some tips you offer them and assessments that you make, and um, if you've got any specific tips as they relate to lawyers in particular?
1: The first thing I would say is if we're trying to create a self-care routine that supports us, we need to remember it needs to support us all day long. Self care is not something we do when we come home at night to recover, or something we do on the weekends so that we can come back from being exhausted. Uh, we want to actually get to a point where we can go into the weekend and and spend our energy and our time on having having time off and doing something constructive and creative, or engaging and active whatever that may be for us, not, not the time to collapse on the couch and wait for Monday. So in, in order to do that, it's important that we create a structure every day where we get our food, we get our meals. Um, for most people, three meals a day is a lot more uh, concrete and easy and, and simple to, to manage. Um, and if it doesn 't work every single day, no big deal but if it's um, if it 's a consistent and a solid foundation that we built that we have breakfast, we have lunch, and we have dinner, then we already have a framework for at least getting the fuel that our body and our mind needs every day it 's a very simple and basic and it 's so basic that we think that we don 't need to to do it in our modern world because it's, it's it's so um, like, it's what mommy said, right? We were right. told to do this. And so we, I think we leaped over that and, and believe that we don't we don't need to do that. We can handle it. And we can, because we can live on survival mode all day long. Uh, but as we talked about in the last session, that is not sustainable. Um, but this idea that we have to, to actually schedule it in because if not, it's not going to happen. Like on my schedule, even if I have nothing on my schedule that's completely packed in, the one appointment that's always on my schedule first is lunch because it's the same thing all day or, or, or every single week. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a reoccurring appointment I have with, with myself. So my lunch is always the first on the schedule uh, because it's there from the beginning. So I know what time it is and I can then fill in meetings around it. So if I didn't have it and I filled in meetings and then all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, where am I going to have my lunch? There's a good chance there wouldn't be an opening. Because even though, right. we know, yeah, even though we know that we are going to eat lunch, if we don't have it on the schedule, it's just going gonna, gonna to slip our mind. And so one of the things that I've asked uh, busy people to do, a, a lot of the leaders that I work with, they have sort of four or five different choices. And they will tell their assistant at a certain point, they're, they're, they know, they tell their assistant that at 12 noon, you're going to ask me what I want unless I've already told you in advance and you're going to order it so that it's available to me at one. And I'm going to tell you A, B, C, or D because I know which ones those A, B, C, or D are. So I don't have to sit there and spend time figuring out what I'm going to eat today. What do I feel like? Because if you're under stress, there's a good chance that what you feel like is comfort food. That's true.
0: And what you need is fuel. With- That's part of the advising you do with people, isn't yes. it, about, about nutrition as well? Yes. Yes, it is.
1: It is about what are the different things and how do we fuel our body and our brain. And also for that matter, if we're very anxious, we need different things than when we're very sluggish. So I teach people how to use food as a tool to navigate for optimal performance and optimal presence and and being engaged and... able to focus and pay attention all day. So that is part of it. And so when I work with people and, and also when I do workshops, I teach what are these different choices that, that you need to look at and how can you learn about your own body so that you know what it is that you need at a different situation. And, and that's one of the reasons why dieting and, and diets don't work is because it's kind of like it's the right same thing for everyone. It's like not, that's not how it works. You try to feed me a salad, it's not going to work. Like I'm just not nourished. Right, right. <laughs> you know? That's not the kind of girl I am. I need like, a more substantial <laughs> kind of kind of food. And And people look at me, they think I live on salads, and I really don't. I actually don't like salads very much. And so it's this idea that we are each different and we're each individuals, and we have to learn about ourselves and how we best take care of our bodies in that moment. I also think that a lot of times we don't drink enough water every day. And so we get foggy, we get impatient, we get moody. Um, sometimes we don't feel we can focus. I had a, a CEO who was uh, telling me that he had read my book, and he told me that, and he had gone in. He was on his way into a meeting, and he felt like he wasn't really up to par. He wasn't really ready. He was kind of grumpy, and he was like, "Oh, I can't believe I have to go into this meeting right now. I don't feel ready for it," and he felt tired and sort of distracted. And um, he grabs a big bottle of water that's just sitting there on the counter in the kitchen or whatever it was in his office, drinks it on his way to the meeting. And the moment he walks into that door, he realizes that he's right on. He's up to par. He's ready. He's engaged. His brain is clear. His energy is, is optimal. And he realizes he looks at the bottle of water and he's like, oh my God, all I needed
0: was water. That's, an, that's a really great story. Um, you know, and I think that as we get older, I've noticed that drinking water for me has become a much more mindful uh, thing that I do just because I, I don't know if it's a function of getting older. Maybe it's just the different office environments we're in, but I find that I'm thirstier more than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think part of it is the office I work in um, tends to be pretty dry, whether it's in the winter or whether it's in the summer. Um, And so just making sure that when I hydrate, especially in the afternoon, that I hydrate with a beverage that doesn't end up dehydrating me in the process. So I try really to limit my caffeine intake to the morning um, and to hydrate either with a tea, but primarily water throughout the rest of the day.
1: Yeah. And herbal teas are great. Like I do herbal teas and have them chilled in the summertime and then, you know, hot in the wintertime. I grew up in Denmark where, where basically we had a thermos on every single office table and people just drank coffee every single day. I can't believe that people were not like dehydrated and falling over on their way home because nobody drank water and I was surprised. And, and, um, but that was probably also why everybody had such, such a sugar craving. (laughs) I come from the land of sugar and everybody, like everybody would eat sugar for like to keep going all day. Right. Because they were so high on coffee and, 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 um, the sugar intake was just crazy. And so, um, I think that's something to consider as well when we're in that position of how we feel every day. Is it because we're not getting enough of something? Right. Um, And the other side of that too is, um, the um the the pauses we talked about that in the in the previous session but this idea that we give ourselves 15 minutes between between um meetings or at least 5 to 10 minutes is really helpful
0: absolutely i've noticed that on the days that i have a lot of meetings or go from call to call without any real break i actually have i feel like i catch myself not breathing or at least not taking full breaths because it is again that reaction to um, like my adrenal gland just being in, in full force. And one of the things that I think is an end result of that is you don't take full breaths. And when you don't take full breaths, you don't get the oxygen you need. And your brain ends up, you know, I don't, it's, it's surely not optimal performance when, you're, when your breathing patterns are that way.
1: Right. And it's very, you're, it, that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why those pauses are so important because it gives us just a moment to be mindful to go inside and just be like, how do I feel right now? What do I need so that I can, whatever it is that you need to do next? I ask myself that question several times a day. I just pause for a moment and I'm like, okay, how do I feel right now? And instead of trying to fix how I feel by stimulants or, or, you know, oh if, if I feel a little, oh, I'm a little tired or I'm a little foggy or something like that, instead of trying to fix it with sugar and coffee, I go, okay, so what do I need so I can have more energy? Because when you're asking that question, Because what is my real why in that moment is I need more energy. Why am I doing this next choice? What's the purpose of this next choice I'm making? That is to have more energy. It's not to get rid of feeling tired. It's to have more energy. So we're focusing on what we want rather than what we want to get rid of. And that's what I mean by asking the right why is that we truly become purpose-driven in our choices because now it's functional. And that's one of the ways that I, if I ask myself, what gives me more energy, I know my body well enough to know that sugar and coffee doesn't give me more energy. It gives me a spurt, right? But it kills my energy within half an hour.
0: That's absolutely right. And I think when people just keep drinking coffee all day, uh, they don't really <laughs> they they, they uh, tend to forget that that's ultimately like if you would just take one cup of coffee and just sort of watch the normal progression of how your body feels after you take it and you know, do it over a particular timeline, you're absolutely right. You realize that your energy level oftentimes dips below what it originally was before you started drinking the coffee.
1: Exactly. And that's why, how we get stuck in those cycles of fixing what we don't want to feel like rather than focusing on how do we take care of ourselves and how do we nourish the energy and the fuel that we need, part of that is our physical fuel. Part of that is our emotional fuel. Part of that is our mental and social. And then, of course, what we're looking for is how do we then achieve what it is we're really trying to achieve in life? And I think if we can really look at the process of of how we instill habits to actually pursuing our goals and our dreams, whether they're long-term or just for today, then um, I think we will take care of ourselves better every single day.
0: Words of wisdom to live by. Uh, Jeanette, it's so hard to believe that our time together is essentially done. I would love for you to share with our listeners where do you see yourself headed in the future, both the short as well as the long term? You're doing some incredibly important work for, for our society, for people in organizations, um, individuals, as well as the, the organizations that they are a part of. Where do you see yourself headed in the future?
1: That's, a, that's such a great question because I, I have always um, wanted to help people. And I just didn't know what exactly that would look like. And as I'm moving through my life, it becomes more and more clear what that is. And right now what it is, and and that became very clear over the past couple of years, is I really want to go into organizations and help people where they don't otherwise have an opportunity to to learn these tools. So I'm hoping that I can be a major part of changing the culture to be more of a care or self-care culture in general across the board. So, that we are looking at not talking on a political policy type of level, but more on a commitment level from companies in terms of how do we take care of our people and how does this, uh, how does a company become our community? Because I think that as human beings, we're looking for community now. And where we're finding it is at work, except work, um, if it's not, if it's a stressful uh, relationship. Um, we don't think of it as a community. We think of it as a place we go to every day to survive. And I think we would really like to feel that, job, that our job and our, and our workplace is a community where we thrive. And I would like to be part of creating more and more and more of that kind of change. I'm also developing an online program. I have an online program already for, for individuals, but I'm developing it to become a health benefit for companies to give to their, uh, to give to their uh, employees. To self study this transformative process that I have been working with for all these 15
0: years with my clients. That sounds amazing. And I really am looking forward to continuing our friendship and our partnership together and watching you continue to just do amazing and transformative things.
1: Thank you so much. And likewise, I've really, really enjoyed not only getting to know you over this past time that we've spent together um, today, but also uh, having met you and you're just such an amazing light in the way you are approaching what you're doing in the world. I really appreciate you for that.
0: Thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners before we sign off and where can they find you?
1: Um, The final thought is um, don't fix what's broken. Focus on what you want to achieve because what's broken might not need to be fixed. It may just be that you need to add something to it so that it can self-heal. Our bodies are like that. They are self-healing, self-regulating mechanisms, and we tend to have a relationship with our bodies that they're broken. They're not. We just need to give them the opportunity to be there for us, and we can be a team with our bodies every single day. And I really hope that people will take the opportunity to create a new relationship with this very, very important tool that we need every single day to get to work. And where people can find me, uh, I, almost <laughs> <forgot>. <laughs> I almost forgot. I almost forgot. JeannettePournet.com is my corporate and speaking engagements and consulting website. And for resources, articles, and blog, it is Path. For life.com and social media, same thing, Jeanette Ponet, LinkedIn, Jeanette Ponet, and also Path for Life on social media. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Jeanette. I will say, I will not say goodbye. I will say until next time, which will be very soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed our incredible conversation with Jeanette Pone about nurturing peak performance and fulfillment through creating a culture of self-care. We hope that you will join us next week. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.